0: Do you want a book that will inspire and challenge you? Evangelizing Catholic Culture, New Vision for the New Creation is that book. It's a call for spiritual renewal within the Catholic Church. There's an entire generation of people searching for authentic purpose in their lives who desire to serve the proclamation of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and live a rich life of personal holiness. This is an exciting challenge to those who desire to live a deep and rich Christian way of life. Written by Father David Tickerhoof, you are sure to be inspired. Sold on Amazon, in print, and Kindle. Get your copy today. Welcome to the Evangelizing Catholic Culture Podcast Show with your host, Father David Tickerhoof, T O R. Father David is a retired priest currently ministering in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at Our Lady, Queen of Peace, House of Evangelization. You can find the show notes for each episode on the podcast website, Evangelizing Catholic Culture The teachings in this podcast are the thoughts and prayers of Father Tickerhoof and are based upon his good standing in the Catholic Church. And now, here's your host, Father David.
1: For today's show notes, go to Evangelizing Catholic Culture Podcast, Episode 45, Trauma and the Spiritual Life.
2: Good day to everyone. Uh, we're going to do, do a, an overview of what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to record basically three podcasts today. We're going to just do the first one, and the whole the over overriding uh, title would be human and spiritual integration. And so, the first podcast is going to to uh, talk about trauma and how it it can undermine the spiritual life. But before we get into that. I would like to welcome uh, a guest on the podcast, Margaret Vasquez, who I'm, I've known for a while. And she's going to really take uh, the uh, focus of this because she's the uh, trauma therapist. And I'd like to introduce her and have her say a little bit about who she is and what she does. Uh, Margaret, are you there?
1: Thanks, Father David. I appreciate you having me on your Podcast. I'm excited to talk about these things because I just think they're um, they're they're so crucial to to our peace and our well being, and um, it can really help us avoid a lot of pitfalls in relationships, especially the relationship of um, that is the spiritual life. So, so yeah. So I'm a, a trauma therapist here in Steubenville, Ohio, and I've been doing in a method of trauma therapy for the last 16 years. And uh, my undergrad degree is in theology, and both of my degrees are from Franciscan University. And that's how I know you, right?
2: That's right. Yeah.
1: That's right. We go way back. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so the first thing for our, our title for the talk today is Trauma and the Spiritual Life. And, you know, I, I know you and I have talked about this a lot, but it's that actually trauma, so the basic definition for trauma is anything that overwhelms a person's normal ability to cope. And so just kind of inherent in that definition is that trauma is very, um, very personal and very subjective. So something that might be a trauma for me might not be a trauma for you. Right. And, um, Something that might be a trauma for you might not be a trauma for me, and it just depends on the sense of powerlessness and the sense of threat that we have in an experience is really what determines um, how it how it kind of how we experience it and then so then the actually the biological response we have during it because when we have that sense of overwhelm and our body really goes into to high gear it 's actually something very biological happens that can actually have that event become encoded in our brain in such a way that can make the emotions from it continue to be experienced like they're still going on. No matter how much time transpires between the event and, and where we are, you know, whatever point in time we're living. So years can go by, decades can go by and, all of a sudden we can find ourselves just right back in the middle of those emotions. And sometimes that can actually happen without our conscious awareness. Um, For example, I always use the example of if I'm in a car accident and say in in my car, it's a a sunny day outside and um, maybe there's a little bit of a chill in the air and I have a cup of coffee in my car and a certain song playing on the radio. And then all of a sudden, I maybe I'm T boned by somebody driving a blue truck. Well, it could be 10 years later, and I could see a blue truck and all of a sudden have feelings of anxiety and not even consciously recall that car accident. Or I could smell the smell of coffee and feel a sense of anxiety and not recall the car accident. So it can really confound us. And, you know, I, as a trauma client before I became a therapist, um, I remember getting up in the morning and feeling like kind of, um, almost like I was walking on eggshells with myself, like, okay, is this going to be a good day or not? And what do I have to do in order for it to continue to feel like it feels right now? Cause right now it feels okay. But, but Gosh, it feels like one false move and, and the bottom might fall out because that was so often my experience of life. And because I could be going through a day and, you know, have gotten up in the morning and it really seemed like a good day. And then for no reason I was consciously aware of, all of a sudden it felt like the bottom fell out of my emotions. And all of a sudden I might feel super anxious or super fearful or really angry, and not have any idea why. And then that made me feel really broken, you know? And then people would say something as simple as, have a good day, and that would feel like a burden to me. And then that probably sounds silly, but it would feel like it's a burden. Like, they're telling me to have a good day, and I don't have control over that, because I thought I was going to have a good day when I got out of bed this morning. But then all of a sudden, I, I don't feel like it's a good day. All of a sudden, I feel, you know, I feel very fearful or, or whatever the case might be. Um, because I didn't understand what was going on in the brain and how to, how trauma affected us. And so that's one of the reasons I'm excited to get this message out so people can understand how these things affect us. And also happily, some of the things they can actually do, even in, um, in their present day, whatever situation they're living in. So, um, and plus I always think knowledge is power, you know, so, so, what happens when trauma happens is um, that those traumatic experiences can um, have that it, had that memory become encoded in such a way that it continues to be experienced like it's still going on, which can leave us experiencing those emotions like they're still going on and imagine if if um, if I'm in a situation, a traumatic situation where somebody hurts me and um, and this person happens to have a mustache or or a goatee or a beard or something. And then in the future, I go into a job interview and the person happens to have facial hair. And all of a sudden I go into this very fearful place and have a, an undue amount of fear that might be like way over the top. For, you know, job interview can be a little anxiety producing anyway, but something that would be way over the top, right? And it can leave us feeling in a lot of ways disconnected from ourselves when we don't understand how these things affect us and, and then take it and put it in the context of a personal relationship and can be relating to somebody. And maybe there's just something about this person's mannerisms and they happen to remind me of somebody who, um, who is, you know, who had a traumatic experience with before and they can really, we you know, we even use the term, right, push my buttons, you know, in a way that I'm not aware of and can really end up, um, confounding relationships and relationships can, um, can require a, a you know, a lot of work anyway, but when we have a lot of trauma, it can leave us in a, a spot that's, um, really unduly, um, unnecessarily complicated, right. And just can really muddle relationships. And then like you and I have talked about so much because the spiritual life is a relationship, right? It's a relationship, a relationship with the Lord and, and all of the angels and saints and Our Lady. And, and so it can really complicate those relationships even, you know, I, I had a lot of, um, difficulty with, with Mary, with Our Lady when I was first, you know, after my conversion and I was really coming to know the Lord I had a really difficult time with Our Lady because of painful um, relationship with my mother. And so unfortunately, that ended up causing um, causing difficulty in my, my relationship with Mary, you know. So these things really can affect the spiritual life. I'm just wondering, you know, I know you've done, obviously you've done pastoral work and, for a long time, and you ever seen people's traumas affect their spiritual lives.
2: Yeah, well, I, I see it all the time, hearing a lot of confessions. Many people have that a problem of human and spiritual integration, and they're not even aware of it. But as you're, you're presenting what happens to the mind, and uh, when there are negative experiences, emotional experiences, say in a roommate, or in somebody that you're working with, the, there is a response that you talk about, and it 's called a, a a fight or flight response passing from the uh, old self or the the self that is uh, the the untrue self because of these things that are in us that are going on and moving to want to come move to the true self, which brings us spiritual freedom. This fight or flight would you say a few things about that fight that that pattern of response?
1: Sure, and actually we wanna throw freeze in there too, because that's another way that people can tend to respond. It's actually kind of when the um it's kind of a, a shutdown response that we can have. Um so so fight or flight is when we're in a situation where we experience um a perception of threat anyway, and then our natural response is to want to fight or flee, right? To to do something to Get away from it, prevent it, stop it, that kind of thing. And so that's why fight or flight fight to actually change the situation, um, in, in kind of in real time or flight to, to get the heck away from it, you know, but freeze also is, is a way that people can respond when the situation is so overwhelming, their body becomes overwhelmed and they can actually go into this kind of shutdown mode, um, and get really kind of almost like you you know deer in the headlights it's kind of the way we would typically refer to it you know where just kind of like stuck you know it's like wait i can't fight i can't flee if i do this won't work out or this won't work out or maybe sometimes we try to fight or flee and then it doesn't work out and then we go into that freeze you know so <clears throat>
2: yeah that's when the, that's when the the disconnection occurs or you're not able to connect when you can't connect with the person so we, we really need to look at that culture of connection in terms of relationships and what we're talking about here. And how do you see that unfolding uh, in, in our lives in terms of uh, coming from the false self that needs transformation to the true self that was really a, a, a experienced in some degree of freedom?
1: I think fear is really the root, you know, the, to me, the essence of the spiritual life is, is love Because God is love, right? So it all kind of, I like boiling things down to their simplest terms. So, you know, I have a devotion to the sacred heart. So for me, it's all about love. And um, perfect love casts out all fear. What I see as a therapist is when we're able to stay in that place of love, then we go to a place of compassion. And then from there to a place of connection. But when we're in fear, we go to a place of control right? The fight or flight that we, where we want to control the situation in one of, one of these ways. So we go from fear to control to conflict. So it's really all about the fear is really kind of the, the root of it in a negative way, because love is really the root of it in a positive way. And it's these, um, these fear kind of landmines can become, um, buried in our, in our lives because they're buried in our minds and our hearts from particularly in our, even in our brain from the traumas we've experienced
2: so since the spiritual life is about relationship how do you see that in terms of of connection and uh how does connection develop or how does it break down what would you want to say about the notion of connection and how important it is to be connected to self and to god and to others to really in a sense have a positive experience of uh, our relationship
1: I know we're going to get into the, I'm going to try to hold myself back. because I know we're going to get into this a lot more in, in the next podcast. But the, to me, the root of the connection is compassion. And particularly, ironically, maybe starting from a place of self-compassion, because I think as Christians, we get used to, um, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. And we're ready to skip over loving ourselves and run out the door and love our neighbor, you know, because that makes me feel holy, but loving myself doesn't make me feel holy, you know, mm. um, which I think is is faulty anyway, right? Because holiness isn't a feeling, you know. But <clears throat> what I've seen time and again with clients and have experienced this myself is when we're able to get to a place of self-compassion, then we're able to get to a place of compassion for other people. You know, I'll, I'll tell you a story um, about walking my dog. I know I've ever used this story before, but I was walking my dog um, and I had sprained my arm. So my elbow was sprained. And this was a, a really brutal winter. And I had just moved back from South Georgia. <clears throat> and that winter was so cold and we just got snow upon snow upon snow. And finally April came and it was a bright blue sky. And um, and the snow had finally melted off the walkways at the park. And so I just wanted to to be outside because I'm an outdoors person, you know, and so I had taken my dog, Sugar, I had taken Sugar to the park and to take her for a walk. And, you know, usually she was just, she was so reliable. She was just such a good dog and, and she would usually just kind of lumber along, you know, she's kind of a bigger dog and, and, um, and it could could really count on her to, to be a good listener and that kind of thing. So I was excited to be able to get outside with her and had gone to the park. And remember, with my arms sprained. And as I'm walking along with her, she's doing something completely uncharacteristic in that she's jerking the leash and twisting the leash and smelling over here and smelling over there and kind of darting back and forth. And as she's doing that, it's jerking the leash, you know. And so she's jerking the leash. It's really hurting my arm. You know, I'm having these explosions of pain go off in my head. And um, so I i was popping the leash, and I'm saying, sugar, sugar. You know, she keeps doing it. She's not listening. And I'm thinking, what's What's going on? This feels like something out of the Twilight Zone. Like, this is not my dog. This is not how she acts. What's going on here? And so, <clears throat> so I just got fed up really fast you know and I walked her back up to my car and put her in the back of the car and I went walking up to um, or driving back to my place and I'm looking in the rearview mirror and I was fussing at her like she you know like she was a bad kid and I said you know better than that what was that that was totally ridiculous you know I'm I'm looking at the, in the scolding her you know and there's a little voice in my head saying, you're having a fight with a dog. And anybody who's driving by can tell you're having a fight with a dog. You know, that's not good for business when you're a therapist, you know. <laughs> so I get her back to my place. And, you know, this voice kept, you know, it's my my conscience, I'm sure. But telling me, like, let it go. Like, get over it. You know, she's a dog. And I put her out on the deck and I closed the door just like she just needed to be away from me because I was so fed up. And I went in the kitchen and feverishly started cleaning the kitchen, just trying to burn off some of the steam I had coming out of my ears. And um, as I was doing it, you know, I kept telling myself, get over it, let it go. And I, I couldn't, I was just fired up, you know. And then finally, this little thought went through my head. That was really disappointing. And gee, you know, as soon as that went through my head, Father David, I thought, oh my goodness, I'm trying to control this instead of having compassion for myself. And so as soon as I switched my thoughts to, of course, that was disappointing. You just wanted to be outside. It's been a brutal winter. You just wanted to be able to enjoy the outdoors. I mean, it it wasn't a nanosecond went by. And my very next thought was, you know, she has cabin fever as bad as I do. And she just, it's probably the smell of all the little critters that, you know, was the smell was stuck under the snow for all of these months. And she's probably just on sensory overload. So immediately I was able to get to a place of compassion for her. Once I got to a place of self-compassion and I've seen the same thing with clients. I've seen the same thing with actually in a couple of situations with little kids I had treated who were trying to kill their siblings, literally trying to kill their siblings. And once they were able to get to a place of self-compassion, the relationship with the siblings completely resolved. So it's just, it's really fascinating how central that love your neighbor as yourself really is. We have to love ourselves in order to be able to love our neighbors in a healthy way.
2: So let's stick with that for a minute. and uh, uh, Apply it to our situation going on in the life of the the country and in the world, in the country, and we're we're in the midst of the of the war in Ukraine. And, and also we find that the situation appearing in the church, there's so much brokenness in the church and so many of the institutions are faltering and the relationships are compromised and things like that. And people are hopeless. And And what, how do we get this, this notion of uh, compassion and connection? Uh, how, how do we give a message to people that will help them uh, build, build hope and realize that, Hope is, hope is the direction we're moving in, and there's no reason for us to live in a hopeless situation, no matter how bad the external situations are in the life of the country and of the church. Well,
1: well to me, the core of that really is, is addressing our traumas, is addressing the woundedness that we carry. Because as we each do that, then we begin to relate to each other out of that place of first self-compassion, that then becomes that becomes my mode as compassion and then I'm I'm more easily able to relate out of that does that make sense
2: yes uh, I, so, I see i see that i can see that because we've talked about it a number of times so as as we uh, come to the end of our our podcast on this uh, idea of trauma and how it undermines our life and our spiritual life how uh, could you uh, in some ways just speak about a little bit about yourself and about uh your plans for the future and uh, the, the especially i'm thinking of the uh, sacred heart healing ministry association and uh you, i know that you're you're trying to deal uh, move to some degree away from treatment and what what's what, what's on your mind
1: sure well um you know you and I have done healing retreats in the past and out of the same framework. And so it's that same framework that I know that we're looking to be able to provide for people in healing retreats. And so if, if people want to get connected to those, they can certainly go to, um, to the website Sacred Heart Healing Ministries that's plural sacred heart healing And we're going to have the retreat dates as those become, um, solidified. We'll have the retreat dates and locations available up on the website for people to, to get connected to, um, to us leading healing retreats. So, um, I'm really excited about that because in a retreat we can put together that human and spiritual integration, um, in a very particular way, with the sacraments and, and experiences of prayer. So I think that's that's one of the most exciting things. Um, and then of course treatment. I'm still doing treatment on a limited basis. Um, tried to back out of doing treatment, and people continue to ask. So for for the time being, that's still going still going on. Um, and even just the first book that that I wrote, the book "More Than Words." um, that's available on Amazon. Um, I think that, um, the feed, you know, probably the, the most exciting feedback, I guess, if you will, that I've gotten about the book is people have told me that, um, that it gives them hope because, um, of being able to understand how they've been affected by, by things they've been through. And then in being able to understand why, how treatment works, then they're able to understand that it works. And then that gives them hope, you know, because a lot of times people feel like they've tried everything and it hasn't worked. Um, but I can, I can tell the listeners this, um, bilateral relearning process kind of thing that, that I came upon in the last couple of years. If, if you have a minute for me to, to do that. So what it was, was, um, I had gone on a comp to a conference. This was a few years ago. And it was always very difficult for me to kennel my dog because I had gone through a lot of abandonment um, experiences when I was a kid. And so I never wanted my dog to feel abandoned like I had. And so kenneling her was always very painful for me. And I had come back from this conference, had picked her up from the kennel and taken her for a walk. And all while I was walking, you know, I was kind of complaining to the Lord I would say praying, but the Lord would probably say complaining. <laughs> and um, and I, I was saying, Lord, like, gee, you know, what else has to happen? I mean, I've I've tried to deal with this in every way possible, and and you know, I don't I don't understand why this still bothers me. Because see, what had happened was when I was four, my mom would go for hours and hours and hours and leave me with my newborn brother who often had croup or pneumonia. So had a very terrible cough. And he was just a, he was a tiny, tiny baby. And, um, and I would be crying and begging her not to leave and she would still go. And so I'd be up against the window in the living room, watching her back down the driveway. And we had the, I think they're called jalousie windows where you crank them out from the inside. And so the screen is actually on the inside of the window. And that, those memories were still so visceral that I could smell the screen, the window screen, like it was right in front of my face, even though it was like a 45-year-old memory. And so as I was walking along complaining to the Lord, he led my thoughts on the, along this pattern, and this same pattern I've shared with people over the last few years. And any time they've tried it, they've always had had great benefit from it. So, um, So, you know, I... Put this out there, of course, you know, I just want to, because I'm a therapist, I've just put the caveat, like if you don't feel safe doing this or you feel like you need to talk to somebody instead, you know, call a professional, call a crisis hotline. But that being said, um, if you feel like you're in a safe spot to try this, then walk along with whatever the, the memory is that's bothersome to you. And of course, invite the Lord into that. And the first place he led my, my thoughts was to what were my takeaway messages in that early experience. And so I thought, well, my takeaway messages were, I would be mi- miserable if I was by myself, I wouldn't be able to handle it. And whoever I was helping wouldn't understand I was doing everything I could to try to help them, you know, because that was the look on my baby brother's face when, when he was coughing and couldn't get any air and his eyes were, you know, big, big like saucers. And he was looking at me basically like do something, you know? And, um, so I, th- I thought, okay, well that, that was really reasonable that those were my takeaway messages when I was four. Right. But they, what was the reality now when I was 49, you know, this was a few years ago. So I thought, okay, well the take, well the reality now was that I really like being by myself. Um, and that I wouldn't be able to handle it. The The reality now is that I handle a lot of things. And even if there is something I can't handle, I'm able to find somebody to, to be able to help me handle whatever the difficulty is. And then to the takeaway message that whoever I was trying to help wouldn't understand I was doing everything I could to try to help them. Um, well, the truth is there's a limit to how much I can help people. But most often it's not a life or death situation like that could have been. And, um, still walked along a little bit more, and then the Lord led me to to consider what were the positive characteristics characteristics about myself in that experience so i thought well i- w- I was capable enough even at four to keep to keep us both alive, and I didn't resent my brother, you know, I just felt bad that I wasn't able to help him more than I could um so you know those kind of things and resilient and that kind of thing, right. And then I just continued to walk along. At this point, I was walking my dog back to my car because this had been about a 25-minute, 30-minute walk. And, you know, all of a sudden there was this shift internally and I knew I would be able to kennel her. I just felt the sense of freedom. And then I tried it out. I did kennel her and it felt totally different. And then um, I really believe that the walking was a crucial part of that because anytime we use both sides of our bodies, we use both sides of our brain and the two different hemispheres of the brain have different types of memory so when you get both sides engaged then then you're able to address things in a in a deeper level and of course inviting the lord into that at that point you have body mind and spirit going on so it's so it's really considering the painful event what your takeaway messages were about yourself and about the world at that time what the reality is now to each one of those Takeaway messages and what the positive characteristics were about yourself in that original event. And, um, and yeah, so I've, I've had great reports back from people of very, very power, some very powerful stories about how much that's helped people.
2: Well, Margaret, thank you very much for being on the, having the podcast, doing the podcast and explaining those things to us. I just really appreciate all that you've done and, uh, I know that you're planning other things as the days go on, and that's a wonderful thing. And it's been really great having you on the podcast. So let us uh, end this now with a uh, prayer of thanksgiving. Father, we thank you for all the ways in which you reveal to those that you love, those that you have a, a deep love for, because everything comes back to the fact that you first loved us when you bring these things to us that bring us freedom and liberation. And so Father, we just pray that through the grace of your son, Jesus, and through the gift of the Easter time that we're in the time of the resurrection, that you may touch our brothers and sisters in every way as they open their hearts and minds to you so that you may bring them the joys of spiritual freedom and spiritual and human integration. And we pray this prayer in and through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.
0: Amen. The opinions on this podcast are those of Father Tickerhoof. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast, and please share this podcast with a friend. And to contact Father David, email him at frdavid.com jt at gmail.com and be sure to leave Father a star rating on any podcast app. You can find more information about Father David on evangelizingcatholicculturepodcast.com